Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to part one of an incredible series that we have just simply called Grace, Discovering the Heart of God. And I really believe personally that this is going to revolutionize your life. If you'll commit to the next five weeks, clear your schedule, don't go on vacation, come to church. I'm just kidding. But you should clear your schedule because I believe the next five weeks can change your life. Because a lot of people have different ideas about grace. And what I'm going to share with you today and through the next five weeks, I really believe is going to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus and grow in your love with Jesus. You know, many of us today, I think, struggle with grace and works. You know, many people live a works type Christianity and they struggle uh, between the two. And I think because they struggle with this works based mentality, we don't get all that God has for us. Let me give you a little bit of an example. I prayed five minutes today, but you know what? I walk out of the house and I feel guilty because I didn't pray six minutes. I read three verses in the Bible today that minister to me, but I walk out of the house and I feel guilty because I didn't read the chapter. And then, you know what? I went, I missed church last week. Oh my goodness, I missed church last week. And because I missed church last week, I need to find two services to go to to make up for the church that I missed last week because I feel so bad because I missed church. Oh, I lied last week. Guess what? I lied last week, so I don't know if I should come to church, because you know what happens when you lie and you come to church. You lie, you fry. So I don't know. I don't know. And here's what happens. You pray a good prayer for five minutes, but the guilt takes away from the power that you pray because you're focused on condemnation and guilt. And instead of rejoicing and seeing what God has for you in those five minutes, you walk out condemned because of one thing that you didn't do. And many Christians live under this guilt and condemnation. And in reality, what happens is really what we're doing is we're living like Jesus never died on the cross. And in actuality, you and I are living in what we call the new covenant, the new covenant. And let me tell you a little bit about today's series and this, this series and what we're going to do today. Today's going to be a little preaching. Today's going to be a little teaching. Today's going to be a little Bible college. Come on, somebody. I hope that you brought a notebook and a pen and, and you're going to learn the great about the grace of God. But here's what happens with a lot of people. A lot of people are even trying to earn the grace of God. They're trying to earn his favor. They're trying to earn his grace. But let me just tell you this. Grace cannot be earned. Let me tell you why it can't be earned. Because grace is a gift. Would you say that with me? Would you say grace is a gift? Do you know something about gifts? You don't earn gifts. See, I even think sometimes we think that grace is a reward. Grace is not a reward. Grace is a gift. You can earn a reward, but you don't earn gifts. You know what you do with gifts? You receive gifts. 
You receive gifts. You work and perform at work and you get paid. That's the whole goal of work. But we take that mentality into our Christianity and we think that the more I work, that the more I do and I'm all about do, that's what we're about. Do, 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 do. And I gotta do and I gotta do this and do that. But can I tell you, here's what the Christian life is really all about. It's all about it's done, it's done, it's done. Because Jesus on the cross, this is what he said. He said, it is finished. And what that means is that there's nothing more to do. You cannot pay more for your sins than Jesus already paid for your sins. They are already paid because of what he did. So as we work in this do, 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 Jesus is like, it's done, done, done. And the Bible says that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. You know why Jesus is sitting down? Because it's done. And it's finished. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer about today's message. Today, as we talk about grace, there's going to be some cow tipping involved today. What does that mean? I am going to kick over sacred cows today. Not only that, I am going to kick over holy cows. I don't know what that means, and I don't know why cows are holy, but for some reason we say holy cow. So today, I just want to preface and warn you today that there may be some sacred cows that we have in our mind about grace, about rules, about the law that are going to be tipped over. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to present all of this to you with scripture. And today there's going to be a lot of different scripture. And here's what I'm encouraging you to do. I would encourage you to write down the scriptures, look at the screen. You're not going to have time today to turn to a lot of scriptures. Why? Why am I putting so many scriptures today? Because I want you to know this is not Phil's opinion. This is the Bible. Unless you want to hear my opinion. Let me try that again because nobody said amen. Because this is not Phil's opinion. This is the Bible. And that's what we came to hear. And so my goal today is that you don't see Phil. My goal today is not even that you see you. My goal today that as we present grace, you see blessed Jesus and who he is. Not through the eyes of religion. Because today, some of you are going to be a little jarred because we've grown up in a religious society. We've gone to church and it's been so religious. But today, my goal is not that you see religion. My goal is that you see the Son of God, Jesus. If you walk out of here today and you're thinking about you, if you're thinking about Pastor Phil, I have failed and did not do my job today. But if you walk out of here and you are more in love with Jesus today, then we've done what we came to do. Do you understand that this morning? Yes, come on, somebody. So let's talk about grace. I've, talk, I've entitled today, The Great Exchange. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given by Moses. Who gave the law? Moses, right? God gave the law to Moses. For the law was given by Moses, but grace, would you say that with me? Say grace. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Let's talk a little bit about the law. Let's talk about the difference between law and grace. And if I were to ask some people today, 
Let's talk about the law. Tell me what you know about the law. I'm pretty sure that most of you would refer to the big 10, the 10 commandments. You would refer to them, but you probably wouldn't be able to recite all of them. Right? Because we know, we know, oh, it's the big 10. But I want to say something to you this morning. The big 10 isn't the only law. There is hundreds of more laws that God gave to the children of Israel. A lot of laws. A lot of laws. Can I just tell you some of them? And I know you can find a lot of them in Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Probably some of you are doing some devotional time in Leviticus this morning. Right? Here's a law. Males had to be circumcised. And we're going to deal with this later as we talk about because this came back into the church. The apostle Paul started to preach grace. And then the people, the Judaizers came back in and said, oh, listen, no. Yeah, you can be saved, but you need to be circumcised to be saved. So that's like me saying, hey, today we're going to say a prayer. If you want to invite Jesus in your heart, you can do that. But at the end, I got a couple of knives out back and we're going to do some circumcision. I don't think you'd come back to church. But what they were doing is they were adding to what Jesus had already done. But in the law, in the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, you had to be circumcised. Here's another law. On your garments, you had to have tassels. On the tassels, you had to have blue cords. What were these little blue cords tied to the tassels for? So you remembered to keep the law. And here's another one. They had laws about who could go to the temple, who couldn't go to the temple, and when you could go to the temple. When, if you had touched blood, that if you were a shepherd and you touched blood, you could only go to the temple a certain time. And not only that, there was laws about men's hair. You could have only a certain type of hair. You could not cut the sides of your hair. And not only that, there were certain laws about how you trimmed your beard. There was all type of laws, not just the top 10. So let's look at some history. Let's look at how did the law come about so we can understand law and grace. Do you remember the children of Israel? They were in bondage in Egypt for 40 years. And they begin to cry out. Remember, they wanted deliverance. And so God sent Moses to them and uh, he went to Pharaoh. And remember, all of the plagues came and Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let them go. And then finally, right, it was a miraculous miracle deliverance. The children of Israel are freed from Egypt. I want you to know something. As they're freed from Egypt and they start walking through the desert, the children of Israel start to complain. He starts, they start to complain. And you know what God does in their complaining? God, even though they're complaining, God is over them with a, a cloud. A nice, beautiful cloud. Why? To block the sun. So as they're walking in the desert, God is covering them with a cloud. At night, he's covering them with a pillar by fire. Why? To keep them warm. And still, his people started to complain. And even in their complaining, they got to the Red Sea. And you know what God did? God still opened the Red Sea. So here, the children of Israel are complaining to God, and he's still doing miracles for them. Why? 
This is important. Listen, because God was treating his people based on his goodness, not theirs. Listen, this is important. They come out of Egypt. That he protected them, shielded them from all the plagues, right? They come out, they're healthy. The Bible says not one was feeble. They had, <laughs> out of years of being slaves, they had, the Bible says that the Egyptians gave them clothes, gave them gold. They walked out of there more rich and more healthy than ever. God did that all for them. And even in that, they complained. And God still did miracles for them. God still opened up the Red Sea. Why? Because God was treating his people based on his goodness, not theirs. Now, here we go with humanity as they're walking. Listen to this scripture because this is where everything changed. Exodus chapter 19 verse 8. It says, then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back his words of the people to the Lord. Now, why is this scripture critical? In Exodus chapter 19, verse 8, here's what happens. And you have to understand the tone of what his people are saying. His people, the children of Israel, come back to God and basically said, hey, God, you know what? Listen, anything you ask us to do, we can do. And here's what happens. I would challenge you to go to Exodus 19, 8 later today and look what happens in the next verses after, after verse 8. God changes his tone with his people. Why? Because the children of Israel were saying this. God, we do not want you to treat us based on your goodness. We want you to treat us based on our goodness. And God said, you want me to treat you based on your goodness? Here's the law. In the next couple of verses, you see God telling his people. Where they were in the desert of Mount Sinai. He goes and he tells the people, there's a mountain there and we're going to set up barriers. I do not want anyone even to touch the mountain because if they touch the mountain, they will die. Wow, that's totally different than what God was doing before. Why? Because somewhere in us, we have this desire to perform. We have this desire in us that says, we're good. We can do this. And here's really what it comes down to. We have this desire in us to have self-effort that says, we can do this, God, without you. And God says, okay. That was never the plan. My plan was always to have relationship with you, but I've given you a free choice. Here is the law. And he started giving Moses the law. And again, there's something in us that says we have to perform, that we have to do. And you know what? I think so many of us have reduced, that's what's happened to the Christian life. We've just reduced it to do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. But listen, you can do do's and don'ts and you can do a lot of do, 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 do's. And still that will never be good enough. That, my friends, is the trap of works and religion. You can never do enough. 
You know, we had a guy when our first, uh, our church first started, he came and he just came back to the Lord. And, uh, and he, he thought that by volunteering at church that he could get in good with God. Right. And one day he's helping us set up and I go, man, you're a great worker. And here's what he said, man, I'm just paying off my sins. And I thought for a moment, wow, that's an interesting, con- con- uh, uh, that's an interesting concept because if you're paying off your sins, you need to do more. You need to not only help set up, you need to wash the truck. Not only that. Yeah. The trailer needs a wash itself. Not only that, you need to start picking up trash. Not only that, you need, we're going to go home. You need to do everything around here, depending on how many sins you have. And here's the thing, we laugh about that. But in reality, many of us have that mentality. And I'm going to go down that route for a moment. Here's the question. How good is good enough? I'm good. Here's what we do. At least I'm not like my neighbor. Right? So we compare ourselves to the least. Well, at least I'm not like them. And the challenge is, is that comparing yourself to the least only makes you look good. But when you look at God, there is none good but him. And when he found that out and we started talking about grace, his whole mentality changed because he was just doing works. My church family, you cannot be saved by your own works. You can only be saved by God's grace. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight said this, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. No, here it is again. Here it is again. It is a gift. It is a gift of God, not of works. Least anyone should boast. I've met people, you know, I've met people that say, well, I just have a problem receiving gifts. You do? I don't. I'm just a giver. I just don't like to receive. I just, no, the reality is it's all about you because you know what? It takes humility to receive a gift. And so grace is a gift. And here's the cool thing. Are you ready? I don't want to offend anybody today, but here's the reality. Grace didn't start with you. It started with him. But here's what religion does. Religion points to you. You have to do you, you, you. No, 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 no. It doesn't start with me. It starts with him. God gave us grace. God gave us his love. The Bible says, even while you were yet in sin. Did you know you weren't even born yet when Christ died? Now, I know some of you are a little older, but you're not that old. And do you know that even before you came on the scene, Christ had already died for the sins that you have not even committed yet. And when he died, he became sin. So all your past, present, and future sins were all taken care of where? On the cross. So the reality of it is, is that today we stand forgiven, not because we're good, but because what? He's good. Now, we need to understand this. So what is the purpose of the law? Let me give you three things. Number one, the law was not to make men holy, but to show them that they were imperfect. Now, we're going to talk a lot about this guy, Paul. Paul's writing 
in the New Testament, Paul is the grace guy. Paul talks about grace. Paul had an incredible conversion. I mean, Paul was an, a Pharisee. Paul knew, I mean, you want to talk about religious? The Pharisees had to, had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Paul was a religious man, but he was killing Christians because he thought, no, 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 this can't be right. And he was taking Christians out, murdering them until he had an encounter with Jesus. And when he had an encounter with Jesus, God would use this murderer and change his life into a missionary, and he would write two-thirds of the Bible. So today, as we gleam out of Romans and Ephesians and First and Second Corinthians, those are all Paul's writing. Isn't it funny that God uses the worst sinner to teach us about grace? <laughs> God has a sense of humor. So here's the purpose of the law. The law was not to make men holy, but to show them that they were imperfect. Here's what he writes in Romans chapter three, verse 20. Therefore, no one, everybody say that with me, say no one. Just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, including you. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by what? By the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So here's why God gave the law. God gave the law to the world so we would know what sin is and we could recognize our need for a savior. Let me say it this way. No law, no recognition of sin. So the law was designed, not designed, let me say it this way. The law was not designed to make you godly, but to expose sin. So basically what it was is to show you, hey, you need a savior. Here's number two. You need to know this about the law. If you broke one part of the law, you were guilty of all the law. James tells us in James chapter two, verse 10, he says, for we, whoever keep the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all the law. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a law breaker. Now, how do we know the law? When we get in our cars, we like to drive as fast as we can. Okay, maybe that's just me. How do I know the law? Because I see the speed limit sign. It makes me conscious of how fast I'm going. But let me just, and this is not a prophecy or the Holy Spirit is not telling me this, but I'm telling you this. Some of you broke the law on the way to church. <laughs> because if you went one mile per hour over the speed limit, you broke it all, baby. You're going to be on cops. What are they going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. Because that's the reality. You break one part, you break it all. So here's the truth. Nobody can keep the law. Nobody. I don't care how good you are. Now, some of you are even offended that I'm saying that because you think you can. You can. Nobody can. And if you're guilty of one of it, guess what? You are guilty of all of it. And here's number three. When the law was broken, it brought a curse. It brought a curse. Galatians chapter three, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Now, 
I want to help you process today. Because we get trapped in works. And we think we're doing good by doing works to try to gain favor with God. And Paul says, when you try to gain favor with God by your works of the law, you actually become under a curse. Listen, and he says this, as it is written, everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law, verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous live by what? Let me ask you again. The righteous live by what? So is it my doing that saves me or is it my believing that saves me? Because here it says my doing and works, right? Bring a curse, but righteous people actually live by faith. And here's the cool thing. Nobody can fulfill the law, but everybody can believe. Let me try this side. Some of you look a little confused. No one can do all of the law, but everyone can believe. No, I can't believe. Well, you just believed that you couldn't believe it. So you believed. I won. So listen to what he says. The righteous people, people who do access God, what do they live by? They live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. All right, ready? Here comes the great news. Here comes God. Here comes Jesus, verse 13. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written... Cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. One translation says a tree. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is the great exchange of our God. When Jesus came, you know what he did? Jesus did not abolish the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Why did he fulfill the law? Because you and I could not. We could not. Yeah, you can give him a great round of applause. How did he fulfill the law? Listen, please. He did not sprinkle magic dust from his beautiful hair. Because you know what? He could have done it. He could have said, the law is gone. And this gets me every time. You know how he fulfilled the law? Because if you and I broke the law, we become cursed. And he fulfilled the law by becoming a curse for you. So you wouldn't have to be cursed. Jesus, the almighty son of God, became a curse so you could be free. And the Bible says that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the great exchange. This is the new covenant. You and I are under the new covenant with better promises. People ask me this all the time. Well, why did God treat the people in the Old Testament? Why did he treat them like that? They were under a different covenant. But when Jesus came, 
He brought us a new covenant. Aren't you grateful that you're alive in the new covenant today? Come on, somebody. He became a curse for us. You know what the Bible also says? That he became poor, that through his poverty, we might become rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that through he, that though he was rich, he for your sake became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now I'm going to ask you this, because I think about this. And it always gets to me. What other religion does the God of that religion actually become a curse for the people that worship him? What other religion does the God that that religion worships actually become human to die for the worshiper? What other religion has a God that sends a son to become flesh, to die, rose and, and, and rise from the dead? And you ready for this one? Not only does he rise from the dead, but what religion has a God that wants to live inside the worshiper? none. And why? Because he loves you. Because he's head over heels over you. He wants to be a part of every day of your life. The question is not, does God want to be a part of your life? The question is, will you allow him to be a part of your life? And that to me is what makes my hands go up in the air and say, thank you, God, that through you became poor for me, so I could have what you came to give me? Do you know the Bible says that Jesus became sin? Didn't just take on the sin, became sin. Why? So you could become righteous. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who knew no sin. Think about this. Think about this, please. Jesus never knew what it was like to sin. Now, for some of us, that's an everyday occurrence. Let's be honest. But the Son of God, pure, no blemishes, to come to know what it would be like, and not just one sin or ten, the whole sin of the world. Jesus never knew what it was like to be separated from his Father. Never until he was on the cross and he became sin and looked up and said, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know why Jesus was forsaken by God? So you could be accepted by God. And you know, he never knew what that was like, but he did it for you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin so you could be righteous. Here's what's interesting. Everything that he did, my church family, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm still trying to understand it. And the only way that I can is by faith, because I don't get it, why someone would give their life for me, 
when I'm so, see, you don't know me. I know me. I know my past. I know what I've done. I could see if he gave my life because I was all righteous, but I wasn't. And he came and became sin so I could be righteous. And now I'm going to walk around and think I can earn that by picking up trash at church or works. Listen, his work will always be greater than your work. That's why I have faith in what he did, not what I'm doing. It's all about him, about him. So, see, when grace, and this is what we need to understand about grace. Grace, my friends, is not a doctrine. Grace is not some cool theology. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that's who we have faith in. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause this morning. Are you glad you came? Let's talk about grace. What is grace? Here's grace. In the Greek, it means charis. Would you say that? Say charis. It means God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Listen, it goes on with this Greek definition. I want to read it to you. It means of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon our soul, it turns them to Christ. What does grace do? Grace turns people to what? Christ. The law turns people to the consciousness of sin. Grace is, grace is about a God conscious. See, many people, and we continue to fall because we have a sin consciousness. All as we think about is how we're not worthy. How we think about is how we've sinned. You have a sin consciousness. That's what the law brings. But grace will always give you a righteousness consciousness, a God consciousness. It turns them to Christ. Listen, not just turns people to Christ. It keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. See, many people are trying to live the Christian life without grace because they're under works. You cannot do it. Here's how you live the Christian life. By God's grace. By God's grace. God's grace. Now watch. Are you ready? Because here the Apostle Paul, this guy who was a sinner, he's going to make a statement. It's profound. I'm about to kick over a, a, a sacred cow. And it's not just me. It's Paul. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. He's saying, Passion Life Church, those listening to the podcast, listen, you're under the new covenant. Are you ready? Romans 6, verse 14, Paul says this, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under what? Grace. grace. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. Why? Because I'm under the new covenant. And sin no longer has hold over me, because I am under grace. Now, here comes the question that many people ask. Well, if I'm under grace and I'm not under the law, does that mean I can do whatever I want to do? Watch what Paul says in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but grace? By no means. 
Verse 16, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So now I am under grace. Listen to this. So under grace, God blesses you because he's good, not because you're good. Now watch this. Well, Pastor Phil, okay, I get it. Good job. But when does the works come in? Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's the result. I do good because he's been good to me. I do good because he's good. And he resides on the inside of me. And I want to close with these two things. Here's how you know grace is working in your life. Here's how you know you're focused on grace. Ready? Number one, grace always results in being grateful. Let me say it again. Grace always results in being grateful. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace, which is reaching more and more people. Aren't you glad grace is reaching more and more people? Listen, watch that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So grace, when I receive God's grace, it causes thanksgiving to overflow in my life. Here's what happens when you're grateful. When you're grateful, you start to value things. When you're grateful, you start to honor things. You know, I've paid for people's lunches because I'm so grateful for what they've done in my life. I wasn't paying for the lunch to try to gain acceptance or buy friendship. I was honoring who they were and their wisdom. Out of that honor, Honoring came money. Out of that honoring came motivation. Have you ever gone to a funeral? I've never met a person that says, oh, Phil, I love funerals. I go funeral hopping. I've never met a person. But you know what? We will get dressed up and go to a funeral. And let me tell you something you probably already know. You get dressed up and you go and the person you go to honor doesn't even know you're there. They probably don't care anyway because they're in heaven walking on streets of gold and we're down here crying, right? But I, I, I've done funerals. I had to do them because I'm a pastor. People walk in, right, dressed up. My church family, why do we do that? To honor someone. They don't even know you're honoring them, but we are grateful for their life. We're honoring because here's what happens. Gratefulness will motivate you to do things that you don't normally do. Because grace, before we think grace is soft, grace is about an inward motivation. The law is about outward behavior. Grace is about an inward motivation. Grace actually goes into the heart. When before, sometimes we think, oh man, this is great, but that's just kind of soft. Oh, ask Jesus because Jesus said under grace, if you look at a woman and lust at her in your heart, you've already committed the sin. Under the law, it had to be done. Grace is all about heart. God wants your heart, your 
are. And here's what happened. When you're focused on the law, the law will always show you what you're lacking. When you look at grace, grace always shows you that you are well supplied. Today, do you know that we can pray according to God's word? The Bible says that I, he has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. That when I need, listen, I don't have to look at the law and say I'm worthy. When I need, I look at his riches and glory because under grace, I am well supplied. Here's the challenge. Many people look at the law and they go, oh, I'm just not, I'm just not worthy. And they wonder why their prayers are never getting answered because you're focusing on you and not his supply. The law will always show you what you're lacking, but grace is always about how you are well supplied. Under the law, you're gonna be doing things out of duty, but under grace, you do things out of desire. God changes your desire. You know, I'm talking about Jesus and grace making you grateful. About 20 minutes ago, I was sharing with you the great exchange of what Jesus did. You know what all of you did? All of you started clapping. Why? I didn't ask you to clap. You clapped out of honor and grace because you were grateful for what Jesus does. You weren't clapping to try to go to heaven. You were clapping as a response to the grace of God. Grace always makes you grateful. There are people I would go and do anything for because I'm so grateful. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not out of duty. It's out of desire. That's why I raise my hands. Not to show God, hey, I'm here. Came to church. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for what you've done. This is all I can do. I can lift my hands. I can live every day in honor of you. See, when I do things out of the law, it's duty. It's dreadful. But when I do things out of desire, it's delightful. It's delightful. And so many Christians are living mediocre lives, living out of duty, living out of works. And let me just tell you, you need to come under the great grace of God. Grace, listen, the law always causes guilt. Listen, grace doesn't cause guilt. Grace causes gratefulness. And when I do things out of desire, they're delightful. And let me just say this, grace is based on his performance, not yours. Now, why am I acting like Jesus now? Because he has so changed my heart. He's so forgiven me, now I forgive. He's been so merciful to me, I give mercy. He's given so much to me, so I give. Grace results in being grateful. Are you ready? And then I'm going to give you the last one. You know how I could tell how much grace you're walking under? I would ask you, how grateful have you been? Do you know that I know people that are not grateful? And this is what I say. When you're not grateful, you're not recognizing the grace of God that's right in front of you. Today, if you made a list and went home, you want to do a Holy Ghost Pentecostal shout? Go home and make a list of all the things that God has done for you, how you've had food on the table, how you have shelter over you. You have at least one or two people who love you. You have a job. Come on, somebody. You're healthy. Oh, but my right leg hurts. No, but your left leg's good. Come on, somebody. You got to be grateful. 
And here's the last one. Number two, you know you're focused on grace. Grace will ignite your faith. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, that for by grace, look what came first, grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. What is faith? Faith is a response. You can't earn grace, you receive it. Faith is a response to God's grace, right? Grace comes first and then I respond. Now I want to close with this. I'm going to kick over a sacred cow. Are you ready? The Bible says that the law is not based in faith. So watch this. Do you know that everyone that Jesus healed when he was on the earth, none of them were saved? They were all sinners. I have to say it like that because usually preachers, when they say sinners, they say it like that. Sinners. <laughs> Wait, let me say sinners. <laughs> what do you think about this? Why were they not saved? Because he hadn't died yet. He hadn't died yet. And you know why so many of them got healed? When they saw Jesus, they didn't see law. They saw grace. And faith in them arose. And when that faith arose, even Jesus said sometimes, be it according to your faith. There were two people in the Bible that Jesus said they had great faith. Do you know both, what the characteristics of both of them were? Both of them were Gentiles. So they didn't have all the laws that the Jews had. And so because they didn't have all the laws, when they saw Jesus, they saw grace, faith arose, and miracles broke out. Because here's what happens. You know why some of us aren't healed? Because we're looking at the law. Some of us actually feel like we're not worthy enough to be healed. Well, your eyes are in the wrong place. The law is always going to show you what you lack, but grace is going to show you what God has for you. So if I can get away from the law and look at God's grace, my faith will arrive. And what access is God? Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If this week you take and you say, today I'm going to make a commitment to look at God's grace. I'm not going to look at myself this week. I'm going to look at God's grace. You will have such a faith-filled week. Why? Because grace always ignites faith. It always ignites your faith. And today, some of our faith has been quenched. Because we're just thinking about all the stuff we lack. But once his grace comes in your life and it fills you, you are forgiven. Some of us have to get out of our sin consciousness and start thinking about a righteousness consciousness. Not because of what we did, but because of what he did. Come on, would you stand with me today? And let's give the Lord a great round of applause. Would you do that? Come on. Let's just in a moment... Listen, and we're not trying to gain acceptance from God, just out of his grace. If you're thankful for what he's done for you, if you're just thankful even for today that you got up this morning, were able to come to church and you got yourself here to church. If you're grateful today for Jesus, come on, would you just lift your hands? Not, not out of duty, but out of desire to say, thank you, God. Thank you that you've been there when I've been down and out. Thank you that you have been faithful when I have not been faithful. Thank you, God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 